Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What is going on, everybody? Happy football season. It is officially NFL football season 2021. The reign of baseball owning sports media is over, although football has been in the headlines for about a month now. We actually have regular season football to either talk about, to either think about, to read about, to uh, look forward to. It's just... With only one game last night, that one game literally jolted every football fan for like a whole night. Like no one really cares about Thursday night football. I like Thursday night football because it gives me something to look forward to, you know, roughly midway through the week or I guess towards the end of the week. And I understand the injury ramifications, how it's not, you know, healthy or, you know, safe for the players to play from Sunday to Thursday. I get all that. Trust me, I do. But opening night Thursday football might be one of the best games in the entire year because it signifies an NFL game that actually matters for the first time since February. February. My goodness, why did I struggle saying that? Anyways, how are you all doing today? I am your host, James Murphy, a.k.a. Murph, and thank you so much for joining me for episode number 88 of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. We have so much to get into. I have no idea how long this episode is going to be. I don't know how short it's going to be. I could just ramble all day and talk about this, this, and that. I will be talking about the Cowboys versus Buccaneers game. Cam Newton finally spoke out about his release from the Patriots. I'm going to break down my predictions, my official predictions for the NFL season. Obviously, I won't take into consideration last night's results with the Buccaneers winning and the Cowboys losing because I thought the Buccaneers were going to win anyways. So... Where was I? Uh, Buccaneers-Cowboys game. Cam Newton opening up about his release from the Patriots. I'm going to give you my official 2021 NFL predictions in terms of who's winning what division, who's going to earn a wild card spot, who's going to win the Super Bowl, who's going to win MVP, Rookie of the Year, all of that in today's episode because I feel like Monday's a little bit, a little premature for Monday's episode because a lot can change between, well, I guess, Tuesday. Technically, it was Tuesday's episode. And since we only have one game to go off of, I just feel like, you know, this episode is as close to the season as we are going to get before it gets any underway any further. I don't know. Just just work with me, guys. Just work with me. All right. It feels so quick going from Tuesday to Friday's episode. I feel like I just recorded. And for those that may not remember or newer listeners, the first six months or so of Murph's Boston Sports Talk, I recorded Monday, Wednesday and Friday. Believe it or not. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I was recording. 
And I did not complain not once about like, oh my God, it was just two days ago I was recording. Nope. And then obviously I switched to Monday and Fridays. And then with the holiday, I had to switch to Tuesday just for this week. And I was complaining like, oh my God, it's been forever since I've recorded. And now I'm complaining that it's like, oh my God, it was just yesterday. Enough of me bitching. My mind is just all over the place with the wedding coming up, with the shop, with this podcast, with uh, the football season, trying to come up with realistic uh, outcomes for my predictions because obviously I give you my unbiased opinion about everything, about everything. So my NFL predictions are very unbiased as much as I want the Patriots to win the Super Bowl and Mac Jones to win MVP and Rookie of the Year and all this and all that. Hell, he can even win Defensive Player of the Year. I'm not going to do that. Obviously not. And then once we talk about all the football that we need to talk about, we, I guess I, will not talk about the Red Sox. I'm not going to do it, not yet. But I do have something to say at the end of this episode about said Red Sox. But we're just going to have to wait till the end of that episode. But first, we do have to dive into the Dallas Cowboys visiting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the 2021 NFL season opening night game. And it was a doozy. I don't care what the outcome was going to be. It was just nice to have fantasy, uh, fantasy uh, football back. And speaking of fantasy, I have Amari Cooper on my fantasy team. So just only imagine how well I did. And I got 32 points from him. Let's friggin' go. The name of my fantasy team is Coop Poop Scoop after him. Coop Poop Scoop after him. Absolutely. Oh, I, I love it so much. Anyways, anyways, anyways. My thoughts, my just initial thoughts. I'm not going to go break it down like, oh, Dak threw 400 yards. Zeke, you know, only rushed, you know, 11 times, 33 yards. Uh, I'm not going to do that. But what we were able to see is the Buccaneers offense is still able to perform. The run game does have some question marks. I will admit that. But Brady can still throw the ball. He can still sling it. I know he had two interceptions, and they, they were kind of ugly interceptions. That happens. That happens. It's going to happen. And you know what? The more times Brady messes up, the more times it just fuels him to not mess up down the road. It's just, it's literally that simple. We've seen this from Brady time and time again. Four touchdowns, two interceptions, and he just looked really good. I mean, he's 44 years old, guys. He's playing MVP level football. I'm not going to say he's going to win the MVP, or I'm not going to predict that he will, but the level of play that you're getting from Tom Brady at 44 years old, whether he's on the Patriots, the Buccaneers, or whatever team he could be on, is spectacular. I mean, look, he led this team with a minute plus to get the game-winning field goal and win. I mean, the guy has done it time and time and time again. Buccaneers defense, though, did look a little shaky. I will admit that. I mean, they gave up 29 points overall to the Cowboys, which I thought was a little bit much. They also gave up a ton of yards to not only Dak, but just the receiving group in general. Like I said, Mari Cooper, 139 yards. CeeDee Lamb, 104. So, I yes, I know. I know that the top two uh, secondary players were injured. Um, but that team is so deep. That team is so deep. Did you expect them to give up 29 points? No. But obviously with the injuries, it's kind of you know, like, um, shit, it's going to happen. It's It was going to happen. But overall, though, from the Dallas Cowboys themselves, I liked what I saw. Uh, I've 
sat here on Tuesday and said, you know, I really like the Cowboys coming out of the NFC East. I think it's either going to be them or the football team and the others get, get the wild card. I still think that's true. I don't think this one loss is going to uh, determine their season. Now, if they got blown out 31-3, to then maybe. But they were dancing with the Buccaneers all the way to the end. Like I said, it took a game-winning field goal with less than a minute left. Uh, when Brady got the ball, and it was a you know expiring field goal to win. Uh, Ryan Suckup misses that field goal. The Buccaneers win this game. So I mean, you can't you you can't say that the Cowboys played bad because they didn't. They didn't. Yeah, you could maybe look at their secondary for giving up you know deep balls to Antonio Brown here and there. But you know what? The Buccaneers. It was a group effort from the Buccaneers. You know, Antonio Brown 121 yards. Godwin 105. Gronk 90. Fournette, 5 for 27. So it's not like one player, you know, destroyed you and beat you. I mean, yeah, Antonio Brown is the highlight player, but, I mean, Godwin, 9 catches. Gronk, 8 catches. Fournette, 5. And you were able to shut down Mike Evans, who only had 3 for 24 with no touchdowns. I mean, it's Tom Brady. It's the Buccaneers, the returning Super Bowl champions. What more can you expect? If they were to, play, if the Cowboys were to play the Buccaneers 10 times, I think the Cowboys could probably beat them. Both teams being healthy, of course. I don't know, maybe three, four times. I mean, that's that's not a lot. Don't get me wrong, but it's a. It's against the Buccaneers. B. The Cowboys have expectations all over the world. Literally, they could be this three and four team, or they could be four and thirteen team. It's all going to depend on health. It's all going to depend on how well Zeke can run the ball. Is Amari Cooper going to remain one of the top tier wide receivers? Will C. D. Lamb take that next step up? What about Michael Gallup? That defense has always had holes and always has big question marks. What are they going to look like? That offensive line, is it officially healthy? So with all those questions in consideration coming into this game and me sitting here saying that if they were to play the Cowboys and Buccaneers 10 times, that the Cowboys could win maybe three or four, I don't think that's far-fetched. I don't think that's preposterous to say that, especially when you're looking at last night's game when the Cowboys, A, could easily have lost the game early and often, or B... They could have won this game late. I mean, the Cowboys did as much as they possibly could correctly. I mean, Dak, 42 for 58. His first game back in since week five last year, impressive. He also came in with his latch strain uh, injury or uncomfort or whatever. You know, the, the shoulder that he injured in you know training camp and such, he looked fairly healthy. You know, he was able to move in the pocket, scrambled a little bit, nothing crazy. But 403 yards, three touchdowns, and interception. I think for game one, if you're a Cowboys fan, yeah, you would have liked to have squeaked that win out, especially late when you had the lead and you just had to stop the Buccaneers one time or Ryan Suckup missed one field goal. It would have been so sweet to have won this, won this game. But all things considered, you have to take away this game and be like, Cowboys could be legit. They could be legit. They got the Chargers next week. They got the Eagles, Panthers, Giants, Patriots, Vikings, Broncos. I mean, their upcoming schedule isn't anything crazy. I mean, their toughest game might be the Patriots coming up. I like the Cowboys this year. I really do. And this game, this one game could determine their season, obviously, if they don't rebound correctly against the Chargers next week. But I don't think it will. If anything, they're walking out of this game with their heads high because Obviously, you know, if you're in the locker room, player, coach, whatever, you expect to win this game. Fans, you want to win this game. But were you really going to win this game from the jump? I mean, 
opening night, banner raising, I guess, lack of banner raising, it was just like a little pie, like a little sign that they just like turned the lights on for. So that was kind of weak and depressing, but whatever. I mean, you have to, from an NFL unbiased outside view looking in on the bucket, on the Cowboys, excuse me, you got to like what you've seen. And you got to think that there's going to be more to come from this team. They're going to win some games. They're going to be in some tight games. How they execute in those tight games will be a huge question mark. But overall, from the Cowboys in this game, I liked what I saw. I really do. And then on the other hand, from the Buccaneers, I liked what I saw too from them. Their offense, like I said, was able to click. Brady's got to be careful with those interceptions. And the defense needs to stay and remain healthy. Because if they give up 29 points or you know 30 points or so every night, that offense can keep up. But you don't want the offense to keep up. You don't want it to have to be an offensive shootout night in and night out, especially when you have a great defense in your own right. So obviously for the Buccaneers, they got the Falcons, the Rams, the Patriots, Dolphins, Eagles, and Bears all coming up. Some good games in there. Don't forget, last year they started 7-5 and five in their first 12 games. Then they had the bye week, and then they won their next however many games to the Super Bowl. So this team could start off cold, but they will finish hot. They will. Or they're going to come out blazing hot, win nine in a row, lose a few games, and then figure it out maybe into the playoffs. This this game last night was very refreshing because the Super Bowl cha- the defending Super Bowl champions expected to win banner-raising night, first game of the year on Thursday. They're expected to win that game. And at no point in this game did I was 100% certain that the Buccaneers were going to win this game based off of the play between both the Buccaneers and the Cowboys. Cowboys were always in this game. Always. And that was refreshing because it wasn't a blowout. It wasn't a 41-3 to win for the Bucs. You know, it wasn't like close for a little bit and then it just you know became a, a slugfest for the Buccaneers, you know. Injuries weren't ri- like Tom Brady wasn't injured, Dak wasn't injured, Zeke wasn't injured. You know, there was no major injuries. I know the Buccaneers had some injuries in their secondary, but for the most part, it was two teams battling it out, their best possible roster leaving preseason. And if these te- two teams were to meet again, which Dak said we'll meet again, which I hope so because this matchup was friggin' awesome. These two teams will look completely different in terms of you know some micromanaging, players coming in, players going out, injuries, God forbid. So I would love to see this matchup again later in January. But with what we got right now, it makes me even more excited for the NFL season. And speaking of the NFL season, before I do break down my NFL predictions, when I talk about the NFC East, North, South, West, and the three wildcard spots, and then AFC respectively, and then I have some rewards or accolades, I do want to talk about what Cam Newton had to say as he finally, finally opened up about his release from the New England Patriots 10 days ago. So this article broke at 9.12 in the morning from Mike Reese, ESPN writer for the New England Patriots. I love uh, Mike Reese's stuff. He's so friggin' good at what he says and how he writes things. It's just gold. Everybody, every team needs a Mike Reese, and every team might have a Mike Reese. I don't know, but if they don't, they need one. So I do want to talk about... I'm just going to read the article, and it's 
Uh, it's not fairly long, but it's, it's got a lot of good detail. And it's titled, Cam Newton shares surprise at New England Patriots release. Didn't think Mac Jones would be comfortable with him as backup. Interesting title. All right, Mike Reese goes on to say, Free agent quarterback Cam Newton said he didn't see his release from the New England Patriots coming in his first remarks since the team cut him 10 days ago. Quote, Did it catch me by surprise being released? Absolutely. Newton said in a video released Friday morning. <clears throat> Newton's remarks came in a YouTube live video in which he sat down with his father, Cecil, on the football field at Newton's high school alma mater in Atlanta. Newton told his father he didn't believe his five-day absence from the Patriots due to COVID-19 protocol, quote, misunderstanding, in August was the primary reason for his release, but added, quote, during that time, I started seeing signs of change. Do I think this would have happened without me being away from the team for five days? Honestly, yes. It was going to happen. Did it help ease the decision? Yes. Noon said he, quote, absolutely would have been willing to serve as a backup to rookie Mac Jones, but that he believes Jones would not have been comfortable with the arrangement. Quote, let me be honest with you. If they would have asked me, Cam, we're going to give the team to Mac. You're going to be the second string. We expect you to be everything and some to guide him throughout his, his tenure. I would have said absolutely. And quote, Newton said, but listen. The truth of this matter is, he would have been uncomfortable. Noon said he enjoyed working with Jones while adding, quote, Mac Jones didn't beat me out, but I would have been a distraction if they would have gave him the starting role. They knew the perception that it would have had if the success didn't come, end quote. Now, I just want to pause there before I continue reading anything. I I don't know if I fully agree with the uh, how Mac Jones would have been uncomfortable with it, the only thing I feel like he would have been uncomfortable with is that distraction because Cam Newton is such a presence in the NFL. He's a character. He has personality. He says the right things. Bill Belichick likes him. And would that have put pressure on Mac Jones to have the locker room like him? At the beginning of preseason, the locker room loved Cam. And then week after week after week, you hear that players start to like Mac Jones and that you know they can't trust Cam Newton and yada, yada, yada. So would he have been a distraction? Maybe. The uncomfort thing? I don't know. I want to try to put it in, a com in like a comparison. Like, you know, Mac Jones beat out Cam Newton, but Cam Newton's still a start, quote-unquote starting caliber quarterback, still in the background. So Mac Jones could honestly feel, feel like, you know, if I mess up one time, I'm done. And quarter rookie quarterback mentalities are so fragile. Young goalies, or maybe just goalies in general in, in the NHL, they're so fragile. It, it, it really is. The two most important positions in all the sports, quarterback and goalie. Super fragile. It's just kind of the name of the game. So Mac Jones, say he starts out 1-3. They're like, oh, maybe Mac Jones isn't ready. You know, Maybe we should have trusted Cam You know, at least to start the season. I can see it being a distraction. It's just the whole uncomfortable thing. I don't know. It just all depends on how Mac Jones truly felt about Cam Newton for the time being in front of him. Like That's just like, you know, those two together is a comparison of, you know, they're you know in a relationship, then they break up, but they're still in the same class. Like, say college or whatever, or high school, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, dating, then they break up. It could be mutually or whatever, some stupid reason, whatever kids break up over nowadays with. And it's still like having the same class together. Would, would it be that uncomfortable? I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. 
So anyways, I'm going to continue with the article. Newton 32, 32, who said he isn't retiring, detailed his viewpoint of how things shifted at practice. Quote, that time with me finding out about the release and kind of seeing things different when I look back at it, I was probably getting two reps to his 10 reps. And that's why it was starting to make sense, Newton said. Even though I was starting, that doesn't necessarily mean nothing. Which I kind of grew on to. This is me talking. This I kind of grew on to that because Bill Belichick was saying Cam Newton was the starter. He's the starter. Maybe on the depth chart, he is. But come week one, that's what matters. Anyways. Um, quote, I think th- uh, that's where they did a good job with kind of disguising it. Cam took first team reps today, but didn't know the... N- Excuse me. But the media members didn't know the practice structure. The first team goes down, the second team goes back, and then the first team comes back too. And that's when Jones was getting his first team reps. So, hmm, they were kind of disguising it. Interesting. Newton also expanded on what happened with him in the COVID-19 protocol, saying he was traveling for a second opinion on his foot, which he underwent surgery on for a Liz Frank injury in 2019. So Cam Newton wasn't even healthy he it seemed like he was healthy last year with the exception of him missing time with covid but his 2019 season ended early because of a liz frank injury which is actually the same injury that cam Akers is going through right now ironically enough and he was going to get a second opinion on it interesting maybe that's why he was cut not because of performance not because Mac Jones beat him, because of injury. Interesting. Quote, this had nothing to do with no vaccination. They gave me clearance to go. I'm owed a second opinion. This was the last time I felt that I was going to have an opportunity to get a second opinion, Newton said. Not to say the person, the personnel with the Patriots wasn't coherent to telling me everything I needed to know, but having four eyes on it is better than having two eyes on it, in my opinion. It wasn't that I was having any issues or pain. I just wanted to do a checkup with the person who, in essence, diagnosed me with a Liz Frank. I felt obligated to kind of check back in with a six-month review. Six months ago would have been, what is it? I don't know. At the time, it was August, so it would have been February. Huh. Huh. February? He technically wasn't contract con- contractual with the Patriots. Because he was a free agent because of the one-year contract. And then he signed in March. Was it March? Yeah. Huh. 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 Quote, I crossed all the lines. I checked all the boxes. I dotted all my eyes, And then to find out I had to sit out. That's when I kind of felt bamboozled because y'all told me to go. It wasn't like, Cam, you know if you go, you're taking it on your own risk. End quote. Fair enough. But with all the COVID stuff, I kind of get it. I kind of get it. Anyways, asked if if he would have done so knowing the situation. Newton said, absolutely not. Huh. This this is very interesting. Now, obviously, this is Cam Newton, and he's been very open and you know very talkative, conversational. I do want to hear Bill Belichick's side of you, but he'll never tell us. All right, we're almost done. We're almost done. In sharing how stunned he was to hear of his release, Newton said he arrived at Gillette Stadium around 8 a.m. on August 31st and had to call his driver back about eight minutes later. He said he was told Bill Belichick wanted to see him, but the coach was in a different office than he usually would be. Matt Patricia was there, Bill was there, and we greeted each other and just started talking. 
Newton said, quote, at the time they told me we were going to give the reins to Mac. I was like, cool. It didn't dawn on me. Y'all releasing me? I was confused. We all were shocked. It was all uncomfortable for everybody. Quote, the reason why they released me is because indirectly I was going to be a distraction without being a starter. Just my aura. That's my gift and my curse. When you bring Cam Newton into your facility and your franchise, people are interested by mere fact of who is he? Why does he wear his hair? Why does he talk? Uh, why does he act? Why does he perform? All these questions, end quote. Which is true. I mean, Cam Newton is a character in his own right. He has crazy hair. He has crazy outfits. He has, uh, you know, a swagger to him that, you know, not everybody has. And that's all true. And maybe that could have been the distraction because after games, media could have gone up to Mac Jones. Oh, you know, how'd you play this? What would you think of that? And then they go to Mac, uh, Cam Newton, who's dressed up looking like, you know, how he dresses up. And, oh, do you think you would have performed better? How does it feel to be the backup? You know, are you itching to get in? Have you talked about getting in? And so I, I understand it now. I understand it. And Mac Jones may not have been comfortable with that. But I think Mac Jones's mentality and ego are stronger than to be uncomfortable with, I guess, my comparison of having an ex-boyfriend or girlfriend in the same high school class as you. Something smells good. Smell like cookies or something. I think it's cookies I'm smelling. I smell something good. It smells like cookies. Anyways, anyways, anyways. So that's the story by uh, Mike Reese. Really interesting read. Like I said, it's on ESPN. Uh, you can probably just Google Mike Reese, Cam Newton, whatever. Awesome read. I just read it, but if you really kind of want to thumb through it yourself, you absolutely can. It was super, super in-depth. And like I said, this is just coming from Cam Newton's perspective. Is this the absolute accurate version? Maybe. Could be. I mean, until Bill Belichick or Patriots open up about it, we'll never know. But I don't. There's no reason for Cam Newton to lie. I don't think. I mean, there was. No, I mean, I guess there was a little bit of a. I don't want to say malintent, but a little bit of secrecy when Cam Newton came back and they, uh, you know, told him to sit out for a couple days. And you know, if Cam Newton knew he was going to have to sit out coming back, he wouldn't have gone. But the whole thing, you know, how he went to go get a, a second opinion six months later for a Liz Frank injury from a guy he saw six months ago. On the same foot that he had, uh, that he injured and had surgery on in 2019. That's starting to make me believe that was the reason why he was cut. It was maybe because of lack of performance. Maybe, sure, I won't count that out. But also because he was maybe not 100% healthy. I know for a fact, and I strongly believe that whether he's vaccinated or not, that went into Bill Belichick's decision. He said it plenty of times. No, no player was their roster status was determined based off of their vaccination status because the NFL is cracking down on that. The Jaguars are going through something right now for cutting a player because they're not vaccinated and a team could get highly, highly get into trouble if they make roster decisions based off of a player's vaccination status, which is good, which is good. I support that. However, I don't think this is a vaccination issue because Cam Newton has yet to come out and say yes or no, he that he is or isn't. But looking at, you know, how he's still seeing someone about his foot. He's still seeing Patriots personnel about his foot. I mean, he said that, you know, having four eyes is better than two, which I agree. Having a second opinion is always a good thing. But to have the Patriots training staff or, you know, medical staff, I should say, just looking at your foot to begin with. 
little concerning. A little concerning. So I can under I obviously with the more that comes out, more information that comes out, the better idea you get into why decisions are made. Obviously, like I said, this is only coming from Cam Newton, but I don't think he has any reason to lie. I think if he was going to lie, he would have bashed Bill Belichick, he would have bashed Mac Jones, this and all of that. Wouldn't have looked good for him, but if that's the truth, I think he would have said it. But we got the truth version that we got. So that's what I had to say about Mac Jones, uh, Cam Newton, rather. So I do want to transition from just the Patriots to the NFL as a whole. We are going to, I'm going to back away from the mic for this one, 2021 NFL predictions. Here on Merv's Boston Sports Talk, it took us 88 episodes to finally get to our very first NFL uh, season predictions. Now, obviously, last year I didn't start the podcast till January, so all we really had to go off in the middle of January. So all we really had to go off was, I think, like the second round of the playoffs, and that's kind of really it. Here we are. Here we are. My 2021 NFL predictions. These are as unbiased as I possibly could be, and I'm going to go into each pick with a little bit of detail. I'm not going to sit here and talk about for 10 minutes about why I picked this team to win this division, whatever. I will give like a couple sentences about it. So let's just dive right into it. You ready? I'll start with the NFC because I think that's the most, I don't want to say the most interesting one because I don't want to go with the AFC first. And then you're like, ah, NFC East back and forth between the Cowboys of the football team. I'm going to pick the Cowboys did last night alter my decision. I don't think so. Because I think I was going to pick the Cowboys anyways. I won't be surprised if the football team wins. But I'm going to peg the Cowboys as winning. I think they have a lot of good talent on that team if they remain healthy. NFC North. This is a tricky one. A lot of people say Packers easily. I I don't think it's an easy decision. I am picking the Packers. So, Packers. But I think this is going to be like a last... I heard someone refer to it as like a last dance for Aaron Rodgers. I kind of see that because Devontae Adams' contract's up at the end of the year. Aaron uh, Aaron Rodgers almost sat out this entire year. So he might be like, you know what? Screw it. One more shot. Adams still on contract. Aaron Jones just re-signed. I'm 38. See where it goes. We were so close last year. I Honestly, it kind of reminds me of a last dance kind of thing like the Bulls did in 98. So... Interesting to see that. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to give 120% into winning games and hopefully winning a Super Bowl for this team, or he's going to be checked out if they start off slow. My opinion. NFC South, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Last night's game did not alter that decision at all. I had the uh, the Buccaneers pegged to win regardless. Saints, I think we'll give them a run for their money maybe early. Or maybe a late run for their money later in the season, but they're going to come up a little too short. Or if they start off hot in the beginning of the season, they'll fizzle out. NFC West. Tough division. A lot of good teams. But I think the Rams are just a leg above all of them. Above the 49ers, Cardinals, and the Seahawks. There we go. So I do have the Rams winning. Matthew Stafford, completely different and way better quarterback than... Uh, Jared Goff, a lot of that defense is coming back. That offense is coming back. You just plug in Matt Stafford. I know you don't have Cam Akers, but they got Daryl Henderson, Sony Michelle with a pass-happy quarterback in Matthew Stafford. I think they'll just be okay. Wild cards. So I got my three wild card predictions. Now, in no way, shape, or form are these 
predictions based off of seeding. So I'm not saying the Cowboys will be the one seed, Packers two, whatever. I just did east, north, south, and west. Simple. And just three wild card spots. I'm not saying that the first team I rattle off for the wild card is going to be the five seed, second, six, and then the last wild card is the seven seed. I'm not doing that. These are just three teams that I am predicting to win a wild or earn a wild card spot. I did the same thing for the AFC. So wild card. I have the Chicago Bears. I think they're really good this year. They have Andy Dolan, who's a competent quarterback compared to Mitchell Trubisky, who they had last year, and Nick Foles, who they had last year. Actually, they still do have Nick Foles. But I think Andy Dolan will give them some decent quarterback play. You saw a little bit of it with the Cowboys as the Cowboys made a late run for the playoffs last year with Andy Dalton. However, is Andy Dalton going to be the quarterback for the whole season? I don't think so. I think they'll switch to Justin Fields. And I think that team will absolutely take off when they do switch to Justin Fields. They could even become potential NFC North contenders if they do switch to Justin Fields early in the season. Will they win the North with Justin Fields? I don't know. But that team has a really good defense and a lot. And I don't want to say a lot of good weapons, but some really good weapons on offense. Daryl Mooney, Allen Robinson, uh, David Montgomery, Cole Komet. I like what that team has. Andy Dolan will be decent, <laughs> but I think Justin Fields will take him over the top. They were a playoff team last year with Mitch Trubisky. So you plug in Andy Dolan, you should still be a wild card team. <laughs> but then you put in Justin Fields, you should be a wild card team. Anyways, second one, Washington football team. Kind of a questionable pick. A lot of people are saying that they won't make the playoffs unless they win the NFC East. I can wrap my head around that. However, I think they're still a good team. They have a pass-heavy quarterback in Ryan Fitzpatrick. You still have Terry McScorin, Logan Thomas. They signed Curtis Samuel, who will start injured, but that's okay. Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick, I can go on and on. That defense is really good. Top five caliber defense. If they don't win the division, I can still see them winning a wild card spot. And just for the record, although this is my predictions, I will not argue if you have the football team winning the division and the Cowboys making the wild card. I won't argue that. I thought about that. But I think the Cowboys overall have more explosivity. Third wild card spot, third and final wild card spot, Seattle Seahawks. I was torn between the Seahawks and the 49ers. Uh, I don't know. The defense for the 49ers is way better. But the offense for the Seahawks, I just think, is going to be much more stable. You'll get MVP level play from Russell Wilson. And just obviously, with Jimmy Garoppolo being the starting quarterback, you'll be very good. You'll be a playoff contender. You might even win uh, the wild card or the division, maybe. And when Trey Lance, I'm assuming, will take over at some point this season, at where is the team, though, when he does take over? Like, are they going to be 3-6 and six and they finally give it to him and they're just like, all right, well, let's just get the young guy some reps and play for next year? Will he even take over at all? And if he doesn't, will Justin, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo be able to carry them through? I think he could. Because that Seattle Seahawks defense is, uh, but I just you're getting way more consistency from the Seahawks on offense and in an offensive league. That's kind of why I'm giving the nod to the Seahawks here. But I will not refute anybody for picking the 49ers over the Seahawks. I I I won't refute that. All right, those are my NFC predictions. Switching over to the AFC, I'm gonna save the East for last. AFC North, Cleveland Browns. I really didn't think too much about this. 
The Ravens are starting to get injuries piled up, piled up, piled up. They just lost Gus Edwards. They lost uh, somebody else, too, I think, on offense. They already lost J.K. Dobbins. I think that team's going to be an absolute mess this year. Playoff contender? Maybe. Thank you, ESPN. Breaking news. Red Sox pitcher Chris Sale test positive for COVID-19. We'll miss next start. Well, that's fucking great. That is absolutely great. And I was going to talk a little bit about baseball. And now... Great. Just what you needed when you're pushing and pushing, pushing. I had the wildcard standings up too. You're one game up on the Yankees, two games up in the win column, no games up in the loss column. Oh, you need Chris Sale. The division's over, but you need Chris Sale if you want the wild card. Oh my god, that's so frustrating. Anyways, let's back to I just think the Ravens will fall off a little bit this year. Will they fall out of the playoff conviction completely? Maybe. I don't know. That defense, definitely not as strong as it was last year, so there's some question marks there. Steelers, I think we'll give the Browns a run for the money, but similar to the Cowboys and the football team, I just think the Browns are way more explosive than the Steelers are. Aging Big Ben, how is he going to look? Defense is going to be spectacular in Pittsburgh. I know they just re-signed, uh, gave a contract extension to TJ Watt. That offense still has good wide receivers. How is Najee Harris going to look? The offensive line, ton of questions in Pittsburgh, so I'm giving it to the Browns, although the Browns do have question marks themselves. The South, Tennessee Titans. I like what the Titans did this year. I think their defense is going to be good enough. Adding Julio Jones just brings a whole nother element to your offense. Ryan Tannehill has been a very, very good quarterback his time in Tennessee. Some would even say great. You have Derrick Henry, a 2,000-yard rusher coming back, obviously. This team's good. A.J. Brown, even. You did lose Jonu Smith, but you replaced Jonu Smith with Julio Jones. I think that's a, a win that the Titans would take. They'll definitely have question marks. The Colts will give them a run for the money, but how good are the Colts going to look? You know, is Carson Wentz fully healthy? Is Quentin Nelson really healthy? What is Jonathan Taylor going to look like in a second year? The wide receiver group for the Colts is a question mark. Would they have a bunch of young guys? T.Y. Hilton going to miss some time to start the year. So there's some questions for the Colts there. The West, Chiefs easily i do think the chiefs will take a step back though i don't think they're going to be this insanely massive offensive powerhouse that they have been i don't think that defense is as great as it needs to be i think the patrick mahomes and the chiefs offense will come back to earth a little bit kelsey is a year older no sammy Watkins, but i think that's okay you still have tyree kill how's that new revamped offensive line going to look there's some questions in kansas city i can't ignore it and i can't really consider the chargers the raiders or the broncos because none of those teams are ready to contend for that West crown water break. Make sure you drink water. Always drink water. One thing that I am an advocate for no matter what is you got to drink water. You absolutely need to drink water, juice, milk, liquor, alcohol, beer, whatever, all good stuff. But water is where it's at. Especially when I'm recording. Because I try, I sometimes I'll pause to drink. I do. All right. I admit it. I try to do this in one straight go. But sometimes I have to pause to drink because my mouth gets dry. It happens. Anyways, I'm getting off track. The AFC East. Murph's Boston Sports Talk prediction is not the Jets. Let's everyone take a deep breath. <sighs> Exhale. <sighs> not the Jets. It's not the, the Dolphins. Again, exhale. Buffalo Bills. 
Buffalo Bills will win the East. A lot of people are picking the Bills. A lot of people saying the Patriots aren't there yet, and I agree. I absolutely agree with all of that. Do I think the Patriots could contend for the AFC East? Yes, I do. But I don't think they will. I think maybe early on they will. But I think towards the end of the season they might fall off a little bit. Mac Jones playing a full 17-game regular season. Patriots still have question marks. I just don't think they have enough to to compete with the Bills in terms of all of the Bills' weapons, what they have on defense, Allen, Diggs, all that good stuff. Wild cards. No order, just like the NFC. Wild card. Pittsburgh Steelers. I know I said that they have a ton of questions, and they do. But I still think they're good enough to get into the playoffs one way or another. I think they have a 15% chance to win the division, but I still think they're good enough to get a wild card spot. Wild card two. Los Angeles Chargers, formerly San Diego Chargers. I think they're good. I think they're really good. Obviously, it's going to depend on a sophomore campaign from Justin Herbert. Yes, big, big question mark there. What are you going to get from him? A lot of hype. Saw a lot of flashes last year. Offense looks relatively decent as long as it can remain healthy. Eckler, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. That defense, yeah, they lost Melvin Ingram, but I think that defense is fairly solid. Right, secondary is very good. So I think they're going to be good enough. I think they will. I, I don't see the Chargers being a sub-500 team this year like they kind of have been in years past. I don't Like I said, I don't think they're ready to compete for the West Crown yet. Maybe next year, maybe two years from now, they might even win it. We'll just have to wait and see. There's a lot of optimism in Los Angeles for the Chargers. There's a lot of hype around Justin Herbert, and I understand it. I get it. And I think they could be good enough for a wildcard spot, so I'm going to peg them in as a wildcard team. And your last and final wildcard team is not the Jets, not the Texans. New England Patriots. Yep, that, they are my third and final wildcard team. I mentioned, I think they'll be good enough to compete for the division. I don't think they'll win it. But through that competing for the division, I think they'll be good enough for a wildcard. Where will they rank? Five, six, or seven seed? I don't know. But I still think they're going to be good enough. I mean, they have a relatively easy schedule early in the season with the exception of that Buccaneers game in week four. Come the Browns when they play them in week 10, that team, the Patriots, could easily be 9-1. and one. I really do believe that. because I mean, obviously, they're playing the Cowboys this year who look really good. That could be a loss. New Orleans Saints, they have a good, decent enough team. But what is Jameis Winston going to look like? So there's a question mark there. Jets and Zach Wilson, that should be a win. But what is Zach Wilson and the Jets going to look like? So there are question marks in their early schedule. Mac Jones, full season, wide receiver group, all the questions that I've already mentioned. So, but I still think they're good enough to win a wild card spot. And I think that is the absolute baseline for this New England Patriots team is a playoff berth, whether it's a wild card or the division. With all the money you spend, you drafted a quarterback in the first round, 15th overall. You are starting that quarterback. You invested so much in the defense. You invested so much in the offense. If you do not make the playoffs, it is a failed season. I don't care how you make the playoffs. You could be freaking 7-10 and 10 and squeak in. As the seventh seed. But as long as you make the playoffs, it's a success. Obviously, 7-10 is fucking ugly as a record. 
but you should still be able to make the playoffs either way with this roster, one way or another. I don't care if you squeak in at 7-10 and 10, or if you get in by going 12-5. and 5. Get into the playoffs is the baseline for this team in terms of a success or a failure of a season. Shop's about to open up in four minutes, so I'm not going to run through this. I'll probably like record a little bit through the shop, so bear with me. Offensive rookie of the year. A little torn, little, little. I wanted to go Jalen Waddle. I wanted to go Trevor Lawrence. Waddle, question marks with Tua. Lawrence, question marks with the Jaguars. I'm giving it to Mac Jones. It could easily be Justin Fields or Trey Lance if they were starters week one. It could also be starter. It could also be Zach Wilson, who is also starting week one. I just think Mac Jones is in the best position out of all five of them. I guess if you want to include Waddle, all six of them. Because he's starting week one. He's on a team that should make the playoffs. He has two really good tight ends. He's got James White, decent running game. Wide receivers is a question mark. But since he's going to be starting week one and Justin Fields isn't, Trey Lance isn't, Jalen Waddle question mark with Tua, Trevor Lawrence question mark with the Jags, and Zach Wilson question mark with the Jets. You could argue Mac Jones question mark with the Patriots, but I think all things considered, he is in the best situation. So that's why I'm giving him the Offensive Rookie of the Year. Defensive Player of the Year. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Defensive Rookie of the Year. Excuse me. Defensive Rookie of the Year. Micah Parsons. I think he's going to be an absolute beast. He's going to be an animal. He's going to be vicious, and he's going to be uh, a Navarro Bowman. Uh, yeah, Navarro Bowman. He's going to be a Luke Keekley. He's going to be a Levante David, Devin White. He's going to be an absolute beast. He's going to be like a Gerard Mayo. I love what he's. I love what I've seen. He's so eager to play. He wants to do all this and all that on the defensive side of the ball. If you watch the Hard Knocks for the Cowboys. I think he has what it takes, and he's going to be a focal point of that new look. I say that loosely. New look uh, Dallas Cowboys defense. All right, so just to quickly recap, Mac Jones, Offensive Rookie of the Year. Micah Parsons, Defensive Rookie of the Year. Offensive Player of the Year. I really, I feel really good about this pick, Stephon Diggs. Now, I know a lot of people are going to probably point to Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, Maybe Aaron Rodgers, if he balls out, Russell Wilson. Those are all good picks. I'm not going to say no to that. But I think Stefan Diggs has a fantastic opportunity to do so. Josh Allen just got paid. Uh, he had a monster season, MVP-level season. And I think that's due uh, because of Stefan Diggs. The Bills made a deep playoff run last year. And without Stefan Diggs, I think Allen's a way different quarterback in not a good way. And I think that team in general is just, oh, at least that offense, is just not nearly as explosive. So I think the success of the Bills that I've been talking about, how they're going to win the East and how they could make a deep playoff run, is going to go through Stephon Diggs, and I really think he's going to 100-plus receptions, 1,500 yards, double-digit touchdowns. I really think he has that type of ability. We've seen it before, and I think with him and Allen being best buddies now, it's really going to take off, and we will really see it this year. Defensive Player of the Year, Jalen Ramsey. It's staying in Los Angeles. It's just not Aaron Donald. And you apps, you could say Aaron Donald, and I'll be like, okay. I'm not going to argue that because that's a great pick. That's a safe pick. But I wanted to spice it up a little bit, give it back to a defensive back. And I think Jalen Ramsey is poised to be – I mean, he's a shutdown corner. He's poised to lock down every team's best receiver week in and week out. 
And obviously with him, new contract and all that, I really think another year, a full year in Los Angeles, you're really going to get to see that superstar, elite, number one cornerback, not just for his team, but for the league in Jalen Ramsey. And I know that offense for the Los Angeles Rams looks really good with Matthew Stafford and all that. But that defense, although it has Aaron Donald, having Jalen Ramsey also in the secondary is just going to make them take off and hopefully give the Rams a deep playoff run that they want to see. MVP. Most valuable player. Last year, it was Aaron Rodgers. I'm not picking Aaron Rodgers. I almost did pick him as my offensive player of the year, though. But I think that was a little risky of a pick because, like I said, when I said when I picked the Packers to win the division, Aaron Rodgers could give 120% FU tour, last dance, and just try to win the Super Bowl. Or if the Packers get off to a slow start, could uh, pack it in. Ironically, Packers get it. So if that is the case and the Packers do suck and Aaron Rodgers does kind of you know fold on the season, I didn't want to lose out on my NFC North prediction, nor did I want to lose out on my Offensive Player of the Year prediction. And I wasn't going to take him as my MVP if I didn't consider him. or if I, You know what I'm trying to say. So my MVP. MVP. I think he got robbed last year, but Aaron Rodgers had such a fantastic season, so it's hard to deny that. And I also think he should have been on the cover of Madden this year, and that's Derrick Henry. I think he's poised. I mean, I don't think he's going to rush for 2,000 yards again, but he absolutely could. But we could totally see 1,800 yards, 15 touchdowns, and just be an absolute beast, yards per carry, yards uh, after contact. I think he has what it takes. Now, will his production maybe take a step back because Julio Jones is there? Sure. Absolutely. But I think when the money's on the line and such, I think they're going to hand it off to Derrick Henry. And he's just going to be an absolute beast because Julio Jones has some question marks coming in himself. Obviously, how's that hamstring from last year? How's he going to adapt to the new playbook? He's 32 years old. So there's questions there with Julio in respect. But I think Derrick Henry is still going to perform at his absolute peak and stiff arm defenders into next week or throw them back into last week. So Derrick Henry, MVP. Now I did two. I guess I did a uh, like I did two subcategories in terms of predictions. I did most surprising and most disappointing player, and then I did best fantasy player and bust fantasy player, and then I have Super Bowl after that. So I'll I'll quickly discuss my most surprising player, and that is going to be Zach Wilson. I'm not high on Zach Wilson like you know Tony Romo is and a lot of other people are, because Jet system played at BYU, not a Power 5 school. I just don't know how that's going to translate into the NFL. But if he's the guy and he's got it, then I think he's going to take off, and he could easily win the Offensive Rookie of the Year. But I just think he's going to be very surprising, at least in my opinion, because I do have lower expectations than the general uh, community. The most disappointing player? This one might have a little backlash on it. Lamar Jackson. It is going to be the year that Lamar Jackson either proves he is a top five legitimate elite quarterback in the National Football League, or he's going to flop, fold, I don't want to say be a bust, but just prove so many people wrong. Because no J.K. Dobbins, no Gus Edwards. They also lost uh, someone else, too. I forget. They lost another offensive player. 
so I just pulled it up really quickly. Um, I was thinking of Marcus Peters. I know he's a cornerback, but I thought he wasn't. For some reason, I thought it was the report was Gus Edwards and another offensive player, but it was Gus Edwards and Marcus Peters as the two big injury guys. So here's a list of um, Ravens injuries from 20 hours ago. Marcus Peters, ACL tear, although he's defense, but just go with it. J.K. Dobbins, ACL tear. Gus Edwards, ACL tear. Justice Hill, Achilles tear. And LJ4, I don't know who he is, but ACL tear. And then Rashard Bateman is on short-term IR with a groin injury. And groin injuries could be very difficult to bounce back from because it's, it connects, you know, your leg from yeah, – let's, let's just not go into groins, all right? But we, we, we get the point. It's Lamar. A lot of pressure is on Lamar Jackson. Yeah, they signed Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, they signed Latavius Murray, who they just actually signed, like, this morning. Those are older veteran guys. Yeah, they're going to be good, but are they going to get the Ravens to the promised land? That's why I don't have them winning the North. That's why I don't have them in those wild card spot because I am expecting a massive step back. If they just lost J.K. Dobbins, Peters was healthy, Edwards was healthy, I could honestly see them making it to the playoffs. Would I still pick them to be a wild card team? Maybe, maybe not. But I just think there's way too many injuries and there's way too much for the the Ravens to bounce back from, especially because they're such a run-heavy team. Literally, all of their injuries are from running backs. Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, J.K. Dobbins. Running back, running back, running back. Yeah, Rashard Bateman's a, a wide receiver, but still. And with a game, with a team that relies so heavily on play action, running the ball, quarterback runs, uh, RPO, RPOs and all that, there's so much pressure on Lamar Jackson. I don't think he's going to live up to it. I really don't. I've been I liked I loved Lamar Jackson in Louisville. Trust me, I did. I wanted the uh I wanted the Patriots to draft him. I really did. But they didn't. And you know what? Am I glad that they didn't? No, because I think it would've been cool, but then you would have had to hear all about this and about all about Lamar and then just I would be on the team of liking Lamar because he's a Patriot. So I'm glad that he's not because I don't think he's a good quarterback. I really don't. Yeah, he won MVP and he threw 38 touchdowns. But look at all those touchdowns, how close they were to the, the end zone. They were all from like the 20-yard line and in, or probably like the 10-yard line and in, which is good from a certain standpoint, yes. But when 25-year touchdowns are from 10 yards and in, it's hard to really you know get excited about that, especially when you threw for like 3,300 yards. I mean, come on. Yeah, he's fantastic with his legs and all that. But now teams don't really have to prepare for J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards. Instead, they can pair, prepare for Le'Veon Bell and Latavius Murray, who there's a lot of film on, and they're not as explosive as they either once were or compared to the other younger backs. So they're going to start committing to Lamar Jackson, putting a cornerback uh, or a fast safety on him because defenses adapt. When they see something so much, they will adapt. And running quarterbacks, I don't think, fare very well in this league. Uh, Johnny Manziel... RG3, Marcus Mariota, they don't fare well in this game. It's only a matter of time. Uh, Mike Vick, yes, because he was able to fare well in this league because he was a thrower. He could throw the ball 80 friggin' yards down the field. He had a missile, a cannon, who could also run. Lamar Jackson runs. Sorry, but it's the truth. And I just, you know, Russell Wilson used to be that kind of running quarterback when he was younger, but then he, you know, smartened up taking slides, running out of bounds, and such like that. So, till Lamar Jackson starts doing that, I, I, I don't know. So, I think it's going to be very disappointing this year. Not just, you know, I know my next category is fantasy, but 
I think overall in the NFL, and I really think we're going to see the true colors of Lamar Jackson because he doesn't have the best wide receivers. He has Mark Andrews, yes, top five tight end. Marquise Brown is what he is. Sammy Watkins is what he is. He'll probably go off for like three, four touchdowns in week one, and then he'll get one for the rest of the season. You know, that seems to be a common practice for Sammy Watkins. So that's kind of why I'm down on Lamar Jackson. I just don't really it, – it's going to be a big year for him. He's going to have to prove that he is a legitimate quarterback and he can carry his team to at least the playoffs. I mean, with all the injuries that he has or, or the Ravens have, with – Everything considered how their offense is geared around running the ball, it's it's going to be a test because they're going to have to be a passing team this year. I mean, yes, they have Le'Veon Bell and Latavius Murray, like I've mentioned, but there are no Gus Edwards. There are no J.K. Dobbins. It's, it's going to be really interesting to see how the Ravens offense adapts and how the defense will be able to pick them up because I think that defense got a little bit worse this past offseason. I mean, they lost Matthew Judon. I just, I don't know. Oh, obviously, like I said, Marcus Peters as well. I mentioned that a little bit earlier. So that is why I have Lamar Jackson as one of my most disappointing players. And then the last two, I guess, awards before we talk about my Super Bowl prediction is best fantasy player and then fantasy bust player or bust fantasy player, however you want to word it. My best fantasy player, not on my team, just in general, who I think is going to perform the best. I was kind of torn on this one because I didn't really want to pick anybody from my team. You know, I wanted to be unbiased, so I picked Alvin Kamara, but I don't feel good about this pick. Brand new contract that he, you know, he's into now. Um, Jameis Winston's a question mark throwing the ball, so I feel like he's going to get a lot of handoffs. Michael Thomas is out almost half the season, so he's going to get a lot in the passing game. They don't have any elite or really good wide receivers. Their best wide receiver is Traycon Smith. And, like, Deontay Harris, who's more of a special teamers guy, like, you know, like, punt return, kick return guy. So there's going to be a lot of question marks on that offense. But one of the consistent, most consistent things in fantasy the past few years is Alvin Kamara, how he will probably and should be the workhorse of that team. And I think along with the carries, no Latavius Murray anymore. So he's not going to, you know, lose carries to Latavius Murray because he's now gone. It's gonna it's poising Kamara to have a massive season. And I obviously a big chunk of his game is in the receiving end. Obviously, if you're in a PPR, half PPR league, it just even makes it more delicious. But with Jameis Winston throwing the ball, it's going to be it's gonna be really intriguing to see how the receiving end of Alvin Kamara really kind of, you know, develops over the course of the year because I think his rushing aspect of his game will maintain its level of greatness and maybe even improve with Latavius Murray out of the picture in New Orleans. So he's my best fantasy player prediction, my bust fantasy player. I have two of them because I am not. I don't really know. It's kind of hard to pinpoint bust because what's a bust? Someone could, you know, catch 60 balls, 800 yards, eight touchdowns. Is that a bust? Oh, maybe. I don't know. So I have two. One, Adam Thielen. Great year last year. Big touchdown guy. Obviously, he's now in the shadow of Justin Jefferson. I think people are really going to hope that Adam Thielen maintains that level of production that we've seen in the past. But we all now know that that is Justin Jefferson's offense. That's his team. That's his role. He's going to be the guy that catches 100 balls, 1,500 yards, and double-digit touchdowns. With Adam Thielen now taking a back seat, what is his production going to look like? What is his touchdown numbers going to look like? He's 31 years old, I believe now. I mean, he's still a veteran. He's a good red zone threat. Do not get me wrong. He still has great skills in route running, catching the ball, and the like. 
I don't know. I'm not sold on them. A lot of people are taking them in like the 40s area, like that mid fourth, early fourth round ish. I think that's way too early for him. I just don't see it this year. But you know what? I could be proven wrong, but he is one of the fantasy bus players I am predicting. And then the other one, I was kind of, I don't know why I'm throwing this in there, but I'll just talk about it quickly is Trevor Lawrence. I think a lot of people are drafting Trevor Lawrence this year because of the hype. I don't see it. I mean, I do see it, yes, but in terms of fantasy, I don't. I think he's going to have some fantasy relevance like Joe Burrow did last year when he was uh, playing his rookie season. Unfortunately, Burrow got injured, and I don't think or I'm hoping or not hoping for Lawrence to get injured. But I just think there's so much hype around Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence, that people are drafting him and expect him to actually succeed early, at least in fantasy terms and like because Joe Barrow was a very good fantasy quarterback for the 10 games that he played last year and I think they're expecting similar if not better numbers from Trevor Lawrence and I just don't think we'll get that from him yet just because of the offense that he is in Jacksonville Urban Meyer what is it going to look like come week one and then obviously into the season so those are all of my accolades those are all of my divisional predictions for the AFC and the NFC quickly quickly I'll recap it I'll recap it all real quickly. NFC, East, Cowboys, North, Packers, South, Bucks, West, Rams, Wildcard, Bears, Washington, Seahawks. AFC, East, Bills, North, Brown, South, Titans, West, Chiefs, Wildcard, Pats, Steelers, Chargers. Offensive Rookie of the Year, Mac Jones. Defensive Rookie of the Year, Micah Parsons. Offensive Player of the Year, Stephon Diggs. Defensive Player of the Year, Jalen Ramsey. MVP, Derrick Henry. Most surprising player, Zach Wilson. Most disappointing player, Lamar Jackson. Best fantasy player, Alvin Kamara. And then bust fantasy player, Adam Thielen and or Trevor Lawrence. Now for the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl. I have. Teams that absolutely could make it. Are people picking them to make it? Maybe not. I am. This is realistic. This is unbiased. Is this what I want to see? No. But this is what I think we could see. That is the formerly known St. Louis, now Los Angeles Rams versus. Oh, that's funny because I think the Super Bowl is in Los Angeles this year too. Didn't pick it for that reason, but that's actually really ironic because the Bucks won it last year in Tampa Bay. Oh, that's so funny. Anyways, Los Angeles Rams versus. Your Buffalo Bills. It's not really your, but it's it's just funny. Just laugh. <laughs> Buffalo Bills versus the Los Angeles Rams for Super Bowl 56 this year. I think will happen. It could happen. Will it happen? I don't know. But I think the Rams are going to be really good this year. There's a lot of question marks in the NFC. Bills. Almost made it there last year. Like I mentioned when I was talking about the AFC West and the Chiefs, I'm expecting a big, I don't want to say big, but a step back for the Chiefs this year. I think the Rams will take that next step up. A lot of question marks in the NFC. Like I said, the Cowboys, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. The Bucks absolutely could make it and be there instead of the uh, the Rams, but I wanted to spice things up because so many people are picking the Bucks and the Chiefs again. So I had to be different. You know, the safe bet is the Bucks and the Chiefs. But if you want to spice things up a little bit, you go with some teams that you 
don't think people would think of, and that is the Los Angeles Rams and the Buffalo Bills. Now for the winner. The winner of Super Bowl 56, Murph's Boston Sports Talk 2021 NFL season prediction is the Rams. Yep, picking the Rams. I am picking the Rams, not because I'm a, or I guess maybe was a Rams fan for a little bit. I just think they have it. If those two teams square up in the Super Bowl, I do think the Rams have what it takes to beat the Bills. Not saying that the Bills will get like swamped out. Not saying that the Bills will play a bad game. Bills could easily, I don't want to say easily, but the Bills could win that Super Bowl if this matchup was to happen. But I think the Rams have the edge in a lot of categories, and I think overall they are the better team. Hence why I am picking them to win the Super Bowl this year for Merv's Boston Sports Talk 2021 NFL predictions. So there you have it. Mark it down. It is official. All of my predictions are in, and we will definitely recap this, well, most of them towards the end of the season, but then obviously the Super Bowl stuff we'll have to look at after the playoffs. So I did promise a small little baseball segment at the beginning of this episode, and I'm going to get to it right now because I promised, and I am a man of my word. Now, I am still, still not talking about the Red Sox, so do not expect me to do that right now. I'm not going to do it, but, 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 they are in the wild card lead. They're playing decent ball. Big series against the White Sox. Blue Jays, 9-1 in their last 10. Eight-game winning streak. They're half a game out of the second spot. Would love to see the Blue Jays bounce the Yankees out. Would friggin' love that. Oakland two games out. Seattle's two games out. Really, between the Red Sox, Yankees, Blue Jays, um, Athletics, and the, and the Mariners... It's wide open for the wild card because the division is not happening. You're like eight, nine games out of the division. So kiss that one. Goodbye. This wild card's getting a little juicy. Now, I wish the Red Sox were nine games up in the division on the Tampa Bay Rays, albeit that would be a little bit of boring. Um, Obviously, 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 I do not want the Red Sox to lose for the efforts of interest in entertainment don't get me wrong i would love for them to win 120 games walk right through the playoffs and win the world series would absolutely love that but in terms of the media aspect in the media realm it's not really all that interesting with the exception of you know history right because 120 would be you know the most wins in mlb season i digress the red sox whether you like it or not they are in the heat the thick of this playoff picture for the american league they are on top of the wild card right now by one game like i mentioned Chris Sale did test positive for COVID. Massive blow. If the Red Sox, with everything that's happened this year, first place, best team in baseball for a long period of time, made no moves at the deadline to go on this suck bag run to having 12 or whatever players test positive for COVID or be on the COVID protocol list, to still make the playoffs with Jose Iglesias, Jack Lopez, Jonathan Araruz, Um, and whatever other schmucks we're calling up, Austin Davis, Hansel Robles. That's a a really good story. That's a good story, a season story. Now, would it matter if they just get to the playoffs and lose? Yeah, no, it would not matter. If they get to the playoffs, they win the wild card, and whoever they play in the wild card, more than likely would be the Rays. They push them five games? You can look back at it and be like, all right, you know what? 
seeing how bad you were in 2020, you battled so much COVID injuries and such. This season was all right because a lot of people, they're 80 and 62 right now. A lot of the predictions had like 82, 84, 85, 86. And I think, I think the over under was 81 and a half. And I took the over. So at this rate, I won. I won. Obviously, I won the bet, obviously, but you know, I don't condone sports betting, but still. You take that, though. At the beginning of the year, if, if I told you at the beginning of the year that the Red Sox were going to finish with 88 wins, no, I'm not going to tell you if they've got first place, second place, wild card, none of that. 88 wins. Every single Red Sox fan would absolutely take that because you sucked last year, and your division is good. The Yankees. Relatively good. I mean, they're good, but they're kind of up and down. The Blue Jays, big up-and-coming young team. They made some good signings and trades. Tampa Bay Rays made it to the World Series last year. You have four good teams in your division. So at the end of the day, when we look at the season as a whole and we see that the Red Sox are able to walk away with just call it 87 wins, are you really that upset about it? If you, Like I said, if you ask me at the beginning of the season, I will take 87 wins. But in the middle of the season or you know, early middle season when you're on a 100-win pace and all you need is a couple extra pieces to make a deep playoff run, 87 wins is a disappointment. So it's I'm looking at it from both sides on you know both sides of the coin, and I know I shouldn't be doing that, but it's like it's hard to accept it because you are on a 100-win pace, a potential World Series favorite, and then you go to surpassing original expectations. So I'm going to give the Red Sox this weekend how they perform against the the Chicago White Sox, I believe that they're playing. Uh, Red Sox, let me just double, triple, quadruple check that. Uh, Yes, they're playing the White Sox tonight, tomorrow, and then on Sunday as well. Is it just a three-game series? Just as a three-game series. In Chicago, then they go to Seattle, and then they're back home for a little bit. I'm, I'm not going to get too ahead of it because I'm still not talking about the Red Sox, but I will give them this weekend. There are three games against the Chicago White Sox who lead the American League Central by a bundle of games. We'll see. Red Sox sweep them, and they're still in first place in the American League wildcard, maybe with a couple games in hand. We'll talk about the Red Sox again. They lose two out of three or get swept, and they fall back to second place or maybe even out of the wildcard picture. Forget about it. Won't do it. But that is everything everything that I have to talk about in today's episode. I know it was a longer episode, but we had so much to talk about. Cowboys-Bucks season opening game, the Cam Newton finally coming out about being released by the Patriots. Obviously, my 2021 NFL predictions. And then just a small, small update about the Red Sox and where I stand with them. But ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, please, please, please reach out to me on social media at Murph's Car Town. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, anything of the like that you want to talk about in reference to what I maybe have said, whether you agree with me, disagree with me, or if you just want to throw in your own opinions about maybe you think the Patriots will win the division or maybe you think the Bears will win the division instead of the Bills and the Packers like I chose respectively. Would love to hear that off, so definitely sound off in my mentions. Or down in the comments section below here on YouTube if that is where you're listening to Merv's Boston Sports Talk. And if you are listening on YouTube, please make sure you give this video a like if you did enjoy today's episode. And then also while you're there, 
commenting, liking. Please hit that giant red subscribe button if you haven't or haven't considered subscribing yet. I would really, really appreciate that. And like I said, you can find me on social media at Murphs car town on social media for all you audio only platforms as every download listen and everybody enjoying is super super meaningful and special to me but like i said that is going to do it for today's episode i really appreciate you joining me and i cannot wait for monday's episode i really i really can't because we finally finally get to talk about regular season patriots first time on in show history well, we'll be talking about regular season Patriots, breaking down the Miami Dolphins at the New England Patriots game, potentially talking about the Red Sox again. I'm going to try to cover a lot of the NFL, but between now and then, enjoy the weekend. We're going to have fantastic weather and enjoy, enjoy the first Sunday for football of the year. I was going to do it, but between now and the next episode, you guys know that I love you, and you know that I will always, always, always sit. See ya. That was supposed to be me impersonating a quarterback. You know, ready, set, hut. But instead I said, ready, set, see ya, because I say see ya at the end of my podcast episodes. Get it? Okay. See ya. Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code STAPLE20.